Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Were you as surprised as I was when we got a new member of the Straw Hat crew and it wasn't the one you were expecting? We're going to find out on today's episode of Systematic Ecology. We are the priests of the geeks. I, of course, am Christian Ashley, and I'm joined here by my two wonderful co-hosts. I mean, you know her, you love her, Elizabeth Pangalang and Clyde. How are you doing, Pang? Hello, I'm doing well. Excellent. So glad to see your face again. But of course, as much as I love Pang, there is still only one of this individual in the world. There could never be more. Thank God. You know him. You know <laughs> You know him, you love him, you want to be him. We have TJ Blackwell. How you doing, TJ? Good. Thanks for asking. Excellent. All right, guys, what have you been geeking out on recently? So mine's really weird. I've stumbled upon this anime on Crunchyroll. It's Diaries of an Apothecary. So pretty much, you know, medicinal medicine, just following a life of a peasant girl. It's fun. That's uh, running this season, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I thought I recognized that name. Okay. TJ, how about you? Valorant. Still. Why did I expect anything else? I should know better. You should know better. Are you at least enjoying it? I actually actually did just start reading a manga called Batuk, but um, I read like chapter one, but it is what I'm going to be doing when we're done recording here. It's really cool. It's about a girl who is learning capoeira, which is an awesome martial art. Any romance? Not yet. Oh, it's coming. Uh, I, uh, in stark contrast to my co-hosts, have recently watched uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which is the last episode, excuse me, the last movie in the DCEU. May it burn in ashes where it deserves to be. I uh, was not the biggest fan of the interpretation we got from the Snyderverse. So I'm hoping, hoping and praying that Gunn gets things done well. We shall see along the way, but uh, uh, the DCEU didn't end with a whimper, but it didn't end with a bang either. So there's that. You guys didn't hear, come here to hear my opinion on the DCEU. You came here because you are a one-piece stan and you wanted to hear our thoughts on the Arabasta, or as TJ would say, Alabasta. Arc. Now, guys, let's. this is a huge arc. There's a lot in here. Let's collectively go over what happens in this arc? Who wants to go first? Uh, from the very beginning? From the very beginning. Okay. So the Going Merry, the, you know, the crew, which at the time is just Nami, Sanji, Zoro, Luffy, and Usopp. Uh, right? 
No, and Chopper. They have Chopper at this point, yeah, because this is after Drum Island. Uh, they're on their way to Alabasta. They end up meeting Mr. Two. They become friends, foolishly. Uh, they show, you know, he gets to just show his power off and get add all of their faces to his repertoire. So, you know, good tactical decision by him. Uh, that's my goat. I love Mr. Two. And uh, did I skip ahead? No, this is this. That's the start of it. No, no, it's right. the very beginning. You're right where we need you're to good, be. You're good. Yeah. Okay. And you know, that's it. Just covers their journey to Alabasta. They meet Vivi, and she realizes that he's part of Baroque Works. But you know, I don't want to. I don't want to cover the next part by myself. But I think you want to go. I mean, I just want to like camp out on number two because I he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's fantastic. He's certainly a great addition to the world. A very interesting gum, uh, excuse me, devil fruit power. Um, yeah, I enjoyed his introduction as well. But it kind of goes from there to where they end up at the, uh, there's this uh, port town they have to go so they can get to the capital city proper. And that's where Vivi kind of goes over like, hey, Crocodile's this really bad guy. Who, who's in good graces with everyone, but he's seeking to take over my kingdom from me through Baroque works, through these terrorist actions that they're doing. And when they're in the city, they meet this mysterious figure called Ace, who is confronting uh, Captain Smoker, who is obviously looking for the Straw Hats, wants to take them out because they are pirates. But in order to save Luffy, he intervenes, causes Smoker to leave for a bit, and gives Luffy this mysterious little card. And it's at this point, Luffy kind of just nonchalantly says, hey, that's my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hilarious. No big reunion. It's just like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. And it's at this point, we do kind of meet, uh, you guys can't see this because we're not recording this for YouTube, but TJ has named himself something very specific. You want to go over them? Uh, okay, so not my favorite part of the arc, obviously, because... You know, you crocodile and smoker, but absolutely significant to mention that uh, they meet the kung fu dugongs. I love the kung fu dugongs; they're silly. Uh, they get they're territorial and they try to attack the straw hats. Luffy, of course, beats all of them because he's Luffy at this point. He's still like way too strong for East Blue. Uh, so he throws hands with the kung fu dugongs, and then they make friends. And there is a kung fu dugong devil fruit. Uh, Zoan type devil fruit, which this is the arc where Zoan types were introduced, if you don't count Chopper. This is so, when they become more prominent. So, yeah. There is significance and they're silly and cute. I love them. This is also where we learn about the dance powder. So we know that this kingdom is super, like, just not good. It's a desert, but like it's super dry, even for a desert. So water is very scarce, resources are scarce which is why the people are looking to Crocodile over the king, because who wouldn't enjoy a nice charismatic guy um, who gives all these false promises, right? Yeah. So we learn about what dance powder does, which is kind of, it forces like this rain manipulation type deal. So one town can get rain, but they deplete the clouds so much that the town the next one over does not get rain. So it kind of like disrupts the natural weather cycle. And of course, Luffy finds out because he tries to eat it. And when he found out it was not eatable, he just burned the whole pile because if it's not food, it's trash and ended up discovering this dance powder madness. It's at this point, we kind of see uh 
Crocodile and the mysterious Miss All Sunday as they're planning on things. Because earlier, Mr. Two was supposed to have killed Mr. Three for his failure to, uh, I can't remember specifically what it was. He was supposed to assassinate someone, I think, or something like that. I'd have to look it up again. Um, So you hear them plotting, and we start getting kind of a little more hints of Miss All Sunday is a little bit more than she appears. Now, as uh, the Straw Hat crew heads out, they eventually split up into different parties and unfortunately get caught in a trap, and they're inside of a sea stone cage. For those of you who don't know what that is, a sea stone is one of the only things that can stop devil fruit abilities from working outside of, you know, landing in water. And this means crew can't use those to get out. So what do they do? They have to use Sanji and Chopper to mess with Crocodile and the minions there. So they're able to escape uh, from that situation uh, as they find out that Mr. Three is still alive and end up fighting him. So wait, no. Do they fight him here or is it... Uh, they force him to work with them. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sanji makes him work for him. That's what it is. Uh, so they go off. Uh, Luffy fights Crocodile for the first time and gets smashed. Destroyed. Like, like Crocodile Luffy, even gives Luffy him- deserved to die here like three times in this arc. <laughs> like, doesn't he even give him like, hey, I'll give you three minutes, three minutes of playtime and does nothing to him because crocodile obviously with his devil fruit power is able to thrive in a desert environment and as we find out later in his arc too he can also suck away moisture from things which makes him uh even greater villain against people who naturally 70 percent of our body is made up of water kind of hard to counter that in this situation it was to take it up from here um, I would also like to point out this is where Nami shows off her first solo fight when she takes on the Brooks person using her like fancy de- uh, weather, uh, what what does she call it again? Her little staff climb, cl- climb, yeah, attack. climb attack. I yeah, like to think of a staff. She yeah, she gets Usopp to develop it because you know she's kind of felt like, hey, I haven't been doing as much. Like, can you make me something that would make me a bit more formidable? And this is what he makes. I like that the weak characters they stay. I don't want to say they stay weak, but they show that they have to use their wit to kind of keep up. You know what I mean? Because everyone, so many people are like, all of a sudden, boom, now they're a superhero. Or they or they hard work and it paid off. Now they're great. Sometimes your hard work doesn't pay off and you just have to get smart. Yeah. That's why Usopp still sucks as of Wano arc. <laughs> Physically, yes. But that's one of the great things about what Oda does as compared to someone like Toriyama. Uh, where, you know, the only people who matter anymore are Goku and Vegeta, maybe Piccolo and Gohan at the end of the day, but really it's Goku and Vegeta. But there is, as the story has gone on in One Piece, everyone has a chance to stay relevant amongst the Straw Hat crew without it feeling like, you know, you're pulling it out of your butt, how they're able to do so. And this is one way to do that is to give Nami the climb attack and to show that Usopp has a place on his team to make things for other people to help bolster them, even though he himself is a coward. I do really appreciate this part as well. Uh, Cause Nami does take down a Miss Doublefinger. You see Sanji and Bankure, Mr. Two fight each other. Uh, and oh, one thing we did forget to mention. Oh yeah. Is that, uh, once they realized what he was capable of, they put, was it a white armband around themselves so that they would know, hey, if he copies us, he's not going to have the armband. So they're able to use this to their advantage later on, which is some tactical thinking from people who normally don't think ahead on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was a stroke of genius. 
possibly the last one. <laughs> the last stroke of genius. I, I can't remember another time that they've done something that smart. I mean, we have how many chapters to go after this? 900 plus? Uh, I think a thousand. <laughs> sure. Goodness gracious. I love this manga. Yeah. Um, so uh, Zoro does also face off and defeat Mr. One at this time. Uh, but as we get to Vivi's dad, who, uh, what was his name? Cobra? Is that his Cobra. name? Cobra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, realize what crocodile is doing tries to work against him but we see miss all sunday stop the army from entering the palace like what is going on here and it's revealed at this moment in time one of crocodile's things that he wants not only does he want control of this kingdom but he wants to find some ancient weapon called pluton which our manga readers by the way will be very familiar with because it just came back up again forever from now for those of you who haven't watched it or read this far i'm not going to spoil it for you but this is 900 a thousand chapters before it becomes relevant again that's just what oda does and i do really appreciate that so we get to the Uh, point here where uh miss all sunday is kind of establishing a bit of a rapport with luffy and that she has saved him a couple of times and they've gotten to talk for a little bit and we actually get the first mention of the poneglyphs for the first time here, which becomes super relevant, not only to, I, I hate having to say Miss All Sunday, I want to say her name, but we'll get yeah, there when we get there. Yeah, um, uh, to her arc later on, as well as like the history of the world. And Luffy goes up against Crocodile once more, uh, learning from past mistakes and uses water inside of his body to his advantage, at, but unfortunately loses a second time. To crocodile yeah who's ready hey, to go from there this is one of our first luffy forms water luffy which is just you know him filled with water but it's like just waterlogged it's very disturbing actually yeah it's gross but it's, it's really okay. funny one of the few it times he tries to think it worked for a second it was like this was a idea i wouldn't even say it's a good idea it was an idea it, did, it saved his life Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ultimately, because this is when we really find out, I think, for the first time that Crocodile is able is capable of dehydrating people. And if Luffy had not used that at water, uh, he would have died in this mm-hmm. scenario. This is this, is, this where, is where uh, Toriyama got the idea for Goku to as- survive his hit's assassination attempt. I'm so convinced that this is where he got it from because Luffy like spits up the water bubble, gets desiccated, and it hits him on the ground, and you know. 20 years later, Toriyama was like, that's good. I'm going to make Goku do that to himself. Except with an energy blast, because that solves everything in Dragon Ball. Yeah. yeah. It was technically now, a spirit bomb. Yeah. This is where we finally find out the name of Miss All Sunday, who is Nico Robin. You know her. You love her. And not only do we find her name as she confronts Tashigi, who is searching her down, and she has no time for the Marines because she hates them because she has a bounty of 79 uh, million berries. Because uh, the official story is because as a child, she uh, destroyed and sunk six warships. Now, we'll find later on that's not quite true. And it's one of the best parts of One Piece, in my opinion. But we'll get there when we get there. So as this happens, she confronts the Marines. Uh, Vivi and the other rebels working for, you know, uh, Alabasta or Alabasta, however you want, heck you want to say it, do fight against uh, Crocodile's forces. Uh, Usopp gets involved to help them. At the clock tower, and as Anika, excuse me, Robin and King Cobra uh, go to this place called the Hidden Grave of the Kings, 
they find a poneglyph there that is very important to her, but Luffy has recovered, knowing that Crocodile is going to come and take them down and fights him for the third time, realizing he can use his own blood to yeah, have a way to win this fight. And it, once again, Luffy, like he's he's not an absolute moron, so you can't think tactically, but you don't expect this out of him. And he eventually does defeat Crocodile, uh, countering him with his own blood and his gum gum fruit ability. And this is where, you know, we get the moment where Vivi does have to leave the crew. She becomes, you know, the leader of uh, her nation once again. And surprise, surprise, who should be there on the ship? But Robin. And that's where we kind of end this arc as she says she wants to join the crew. So, guys, uh, I know we went over a long bit of that and uh, it's a very long arc. But what were your initial thoughts uh, reading this arc? Oh, I love you. Remember from. OK. Yeah, because, I, you know, my memory is not great sometimes, so I'll just forget stuff. So when I reread the series a few years ago, I pretty much got to experience most of it again for the first time. So reading Alabaster was awesome. It's so good. It's it's really the first time we see Luffy not just win something. I really appreciate that a lot. Peng. I remember enjoying this. It's been a hot minute since I've watched this um, area of the anime for some reason. But I just remember like loving getting to know Vivi, but the duck. The duck was one of the highlights. What was his name? I don't remember. Co- it was started with the C. Um, yeah, cover, cover. You're right, but I, I, yeah, I love that little duck. It was so fun. I always enjoyed that type of culture, like with the headdress and the desert. It it just seemed like very like fun to me because growing up, I never understood why you would put on clothes when you was so hot in the desert. If that makes sense, so it it always just intrigues me, like this type of culture, because people live in desert society even to the this, this day so mm-hmm. to know that they were pretty accurate with some of the descriptions i appreciated a lot you know what's, you know what's funny though the same reason you do like wear long clothes in the desert it's the same reason you paint your windows in your car the sun yeah to protect yourself from I the, about sun. That the other day just yeah. thought it was kind of funny yeah as an adult i understand but as like a child i just i never when you learned about like egypt and all the other like middle east countries and you see them from head to toe it's like wait a minute that's weird but i feel like the the clothing was very well done it was fun um looking at the animations so yeah yeah uh, there's a lot of egyptian kind of imagery used in uh, arabasta as well and like in the series as a whole there's some used uh, as we get later to impel down we'll see some too but my initial thoughts on this uh it's hard to remember it was forever ago uh when I first read through this series, but I do remember really enjoying this arc for how much it surprised me with, uh, as a younger reader, it was like, I was not expecting the twists and turns here. Like Luffy losing for the first time blew my mind. I did not expect it to be that brutal. And then to lose a second time that got me to, uh, and then the reveal of, you know, Hey, it's not going to be Vivi joining the Nakama. It's going to be Robin instead. Yeah, it's that's like, a twist. Yeah, it's foreshadowed in the story and really done well, uh, especially the rapport she has with Luffy and the fact that uh, along the way, like Crocodile kind of notices, like he doesn't know who some of the members of the crew are and she knew who they were. So why isn't she reporting it to him? That's because she's a double agent. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Also, I think one of the best 
situation this arc has given us was they never figured out really Sanji's face. So his wanted poster has been that dumb drawing. (laughs) And he was so upset. Yeah. And and that comes into play later on. So funny. Yeah. I love fake Sanji. But uh, I don't know if it's in the manga, but even with like someone looking like the guy showing up down the road. Was that just anime stuff or was that in the manga? No, that's in the manga. Okay, all right. We'll talk about that when it comes, but gosh. The fact that even Oda brought something so little as that in full circle. Yeah, that's quite brilliant. So now we've talked about what happens in this arc, but like, is there a favorite moment that we have? And if so, why is that your favorite? So Mr. Prince, I remember I was dating Taylor and when Sanji was like, you know, doing his behind the scenes thing. And like, who is this? He's like, this is Mr. Prince. And because I was obsessed with Sanji, even as a high schooler, I would call Taylor Mr. Prince, my now husband. Yep. And of course, Taylor had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, he, okay. Another um, shameless thing, Taylor did figure this out down the road when we were talking about kids. One year I was like, isn't Sanji such a pretty girl's name? And he was like, Sanji, why does that name sound so familiar? I'm like, now it is a girl's name of an influencer. So all I had to do is hear one time a girl was named Sanji. All it took. I was like, babe, it's just a popular influencer. Like, that's where you hear it from. And so I tried for like months. And then finally he looked it up and he was like, I knew this sounded familiar. That's pretty funny. So, yeah. Your daughter? But yeah, Mr. Prince was my favorite in all of this arc. How about you, TJ? Hello, friends. If you enjoy Systemic Ecology, a great way to support us and to keep us moving forward into the future is to be a patron on our Patreon network. If you're a Patreon, then you get live access to our YouTube exclusives like comic book ketchup and manga mustard, drinks with Tejas, and also uh, some extra content there with our companion series to go along with our annual theme. If you're a patron, you get exclusive merch like t-shirts and handbags and mugs. There's also a bonus extra question that has extra content. In each episode, we go deeper into our faith and the questions that we're wrestling with, but we also do this extra question uh, to jump in and to share about, and and uh, patrons get to hear how we answer that question. There's discounts on our store. You get access to any future online D&D campaigns. You can easily access all of our Patreon content through our Spotify page, where it says exclusive content for subscribers. That could be you folks. And All that being said, you get the satisfaction that you help us uh, keep the lights on and keep us moving forward with our software, our marketing, our equipment, staying current in the podcast game. Uh, We love Systematic Ecology. We hope you do too. Support us moving forward. Thank you for all that you are. We know there's a lot of great choices and content out there and you choose to listen to Systematic Ecology. Thanks, folks. We love you. Peace. TJ looks a little nope. frozen. Not anymore. Yeah, he does. Oh, oh here he is. Back. I thought you were smiling a lot. I live. Yes. Uh, what was your favorite part of this arc? Uh, I really do love the uh, the Kung Fu Dugongs. Uh, it's just not fair to say that's my favorite part because how much else happens. Uh, I love when Pell is like doing his best to try and get to VV or to King Cobra when he realizes something goes wrong. Uh, those scenes are just so dramatic and so well handled and we get to see 
Dell's loyalty and significance back when he was relevant. I'm not going to spoil anything, but oopsie daisy. Uh, but it, my favorite part in the arc is probably when Crocodile has Luffy on his hook, covered in blood, and Luffy's like, oh, my fist is wet. I can hit him. That's great. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, if we didn't mention a character you liked in the midst of this, well, I'm sorry, but One Piece has hundreds upon hundreds and in one arc alone, how many named characters do we have? As time goes on, how worse does it get? I forgot to mention Pell earlier because he does play a, a vital role in this. So that's a good one. And yeah, that crocodile moment with Luffy. Well, that's going to kind of fit into mine, which is the first loss that Luffy suffers at Crocodile's hand. And that I was talking a little before all this uh, recording that really that moment we think, well, Luffy's the main character. He's going to win. He's got this. And Crocodile gives you, I got three minutes, buddy. Three minutes of playtime with you. And Luffy get, goes through those three minutes. He looks pretty impressive in the fight, but he loses. And he loses pretty badly. And that is something, if you're willing to have your main character suffer a legitimate loss like this, that shows really great writing to me. That shows that, hey, I'm not trying to make a Mary Sue here. I'm not trying to make someone who's just you know better than other shonen characters out there. It's like, no. This is a person who, in a situation, even with the abilities he has, is going to lose, and he loses. And that has such an impact of what happens later on for Luffy as he grows to the series. And even in just this arc of how can he fight Crocodile again, and a second time doesn't work, and a third time uh, is what is the charm. But yeah, that's where I see that. Now, who was the character in this arc that stood out the most to you? The duck. What? Karu. Ka- I want to pet Karu <laughs> so bad. It's a good duck. I mean, that's good. So, uh, TJ, question being, who was the character who stood out most to you in this arc? Mm, crocodile. Mm, okay, excellent choice. What about him? Uh, he is, and Smoker, because uh, they're, you know, we like start to see the scope of what a Logia fruit is and how scary they are. Oh, yeah, they're handled extremely well here because you could easily go over that position of, well, Smoker fails to get the Straw Hat crew again, but no, it's played really well why he's not. We get the introduction of Ace in that time. And then, of course, Crocodile is amazing Ooh, in this arc. I, about Ace. I do love Ace. I changed mine to Ace. <laughs> I had a feeling yeah. that would happen as soon as his name was mentioned. Uh, me, I mean, if I haven't already given away, it's Robin in this arc. I love how she's portrayed here and because uh, if you can confuse and fool me as a reader like i love that i there was no world when i was reading this even with the foreshadowing that is there i just didn't see it that she was going to be a devil agent and that she was going to join the crew i figured out the devil agent part i do remember that i never saw her joining the straw hat crew and that was amazing and the way she played people uh her conniving nature but also a very like playfully playful kind of nature with people and like she actually establishes kind of a rapport with luffy there and like nobody trusts her really except for luffy at the end of this arc but we're gonna get more there and there's just so much more to her character she's not uh, she's not my favorite character in one piece but she might be near the top for the straw hat crew Mm -hmm. i agree all right so uh tj you kind of brought this up earlier uh when you were talking about crocodile but like how effective do you think that he's handled as a villain here uh i think he's the most effective villain so far in the series he's ambitious he's powerful he earns the people's trust temporarily uh he's all around he's just a good villain and he's 
strong. He's so much stronger than anything they fought up till now. Hmm. I don't know. It's hard to choose. Oh, I thought you were still going about like the thing. Sorry, I was zoning out. Who am I thinking about again? Crocodile. How effective is Crocodile as a villain? Um, I mean, I see Crocodile more as a politician than a villain. So yeah, like he. I mean, he's a strong guy, but he wasn't my favorite. Like down the road, like I have, I have more fond memories of future characters we're going to meet. I don't even give the Crocodile a second thought. He's back though. Yeah, but I just once again I didn't give him a second thought up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you brought up a really good point. Like, so we've had you know the beautiful Alvita, we've had Axan Morgan, uh, Long Krieg, uh, yep, Django and Kuro. Uh, who else? Buggy, uh, Buggy, Buggy. Okay, I love Buggy. Buggy. Yeah, like compared to those early villains, like he's miles above them. Not as they're bad in any way, shape, or form, but like comparatively speaking, like I'm going to choose him in a list. And it's because of that conniving nature, the way he gets the people on his side. Say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here. Look at me. Look at me. And, oh, don't worry. That king over there, he's not going to help you. You really need crocodile in charge of the nation. And there's an insidiousness there that it's true because he makes the circumstances where they need him with his devil fruit powers. And uh, if a villain can do that, they've done their job well. So I really do enjoy crocodile here. And I really enjoy Crocodile later. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. I'm trying to think. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not all I yeah. wanted to say. Okay. So name dropped here. I can't remember if it's the first time they're name dropped. Uh, are the world government. Now, we kind of knew like the Marines had to answer to someone. Uh, but this is where we kind of get that hint of them being behind the scenes, working their machinations uh, where no one else really knows what's going on. Like, what are our thoughts about this development to the world building of One Piece? How effective, I mean, cause there's not a lot in this arc particularly for the world government outside of what we're told about them. But like, how do you feel about how they're handled here? Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I like the, the introduction of it. Um, you kind of saw it a little bit with like Kobe when he starts to realize that the Marines may not be the good guys and so that's kind of alluded here that the government also may not be the good guys so it's a it's a fun time yeah it just giving us a taste of like this big huge like it's not the shadow government it is the regular government it feels like a shadow government yes it's weird but done well yeah. in my opinion yeah yeah I I really enjoy it. I'm trying to divorce myself from what I know happens later on mm -hmm. in this conversation. But like for right here, we get like the barest tense. And when I'm just reading this for the first time and I have no knowledge of what happens ahead, I go, Ooh, world government. Okay. I'll associate with Marines. Okay. So we know despicable things have been done and they're accusing Robin of uh, sinking these ships. Like, okay, what's going on there? Uh, I think this is a very fine setup. It's not obviously... It's not a 10 out of 10 introduction at this point in time, but it's enough to where you want more and we are rewarded with more later on. So I really do enjoy what is being done here by Oda. 10 out of 10. Recommend. Yep. True. Yeah. Also here, uh, we are introduced to Ace for the first time. Like, no, 
like we said before, like no build up, <laughs> no anything of Luffy like talking about his brother, if I remember correctly, before all this. He shows up, he he uh, attacks Smoker to save the tr- Straw Hat crew, and Luffy's like, yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> In your opinion, how is his presence handled here? Very funny. Mm-hmm. As As far as character development goes, perhaps not the greatest, not some of Oda's greatest work, but it's really funny. This is always so surprising, like, you know, because you would you expect Ace now that Luffy's a pirate, at least at this time, like to join up with Luffy because Luffy's the captain. But like you find Ace is loyal to Whitebeard and like he thinks he's the greatest guy ever. And he's like, no, this is going to be my captain's going to be king of the pirates. So that was kind of like, oh, yeah. I also I, I like being introduced to Ace as like way ahead of Luffy. It's like Luffy might be a captain, but Ace is st- way stronger. He's better status. Smoker's afraid of him. Like it's great. It's great. And he's not a captain at that. Like yeah, he, he's not. A Luffy captain. may call he's himself not. a captain, but compared to the other captains out there, he's small. He's a small fry. Yep. If Ace is so much higher than him. Yep. Until recently, he really wasn't a captain at all. I mean, like he technically was, but he was a captain to ten people. And then a few more. So I really like how, like you both said, and like it gives something here to him to aspire towards. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm crew of this one vessel, but Ace is a leader in a group of pirates who have multiple vessels working for this mysterious guy, Whitebeard. Who's he? We'll find out way later on. But it it's, uh, helps hype up that moment. It goes, okay. Luffy has a brother. He didn't just like spontaneously generate out in the world there. Oh, that implies that he has a mother and a father. Who are these people? The the gears get turning like, are they out there? Are they pirates? Are they Marines? Are they someone else? Like, are they dead? Are they alive? What is happening here? And Ace provides all of that with one funny joke. Uh, oh, yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> and I really enjoy Like, yeah, once again, as far as like introducing Ace as his personality and everything, it's not the best, but you do establish the threat level and that smoker is like, okay, I got to be wary of this guy. He respects him enough. Uh, Luffy obviously has a good enough relationship with his brother that he's willing to attack a Marine for this. So I love how that is done in all of this. Anything else for Ace? He's him. I, I love him. I have a picture of him without a shirt on my wall in my classroom. It's very school appropriate. That's pretty funny. I do kind uh, of I'm want sorry. the ace tattoo. Mm. Like either it is a cool looking one. All right. So before this, like I had mentioned how I was shocked that, you know, Robin became a member of the crew with the kind of the expectation build up in the arc before this. And right now is that Vivi would become the next member of the Straw Hat crew. But instead... She ends up deciding to rule her nation and watch over them to prevent other people like Crocodile from taking it over again through any other means. Like, do you think she should have joined the Straw Hats or did she make the right decision to rule Arabasta or Alabasta? Everything she's done has been for her country. So it wasn't surprising that she would stay to rule her country. Yeah, I actually really agree with the decision that she stays. Uh, I think... Like at the time, sure, it would have been cool to have her on the Straw Hats, but she wasn't really, wouldn't have been contributing much. Except with Karu. Karu would have been a big contributor. More of him. Let's see, but who do you think would have ran the country? 
Cobra still would have stepped down. It would have just been Karu ruling Alabasta. He would have had to stay. No, I'm saying like Karu would have contributed to the team as in no, he couldn't. Like they, they, we wouldn't, ha- we couldn't have had both. Karu would have had to stay behind to run Alabasta. No, we need Karu with his little like I love this little barrel and he would just go <laughs> so cute, so cute. I, I agree with my co-host here. Uh, like I think I was being willfully ignorant of what had to happen in this arc. Like, you know, because I liked how much, you know, how well Vivi got along with the rest of the crew, you know, with them working together. It's like, oh, well, obviously she's going to be part of the Straw Hats after this arc. But if you look at this logically, it makes no sense at all for her to go with them. Like this country needs a ruler. It needs someone, a good ruler at that. And she has proven that over and over uh, about the people she's willing to work with, about the things she's willing to get done all for their sake. If she had left with the crew, like that would have been kind of hollow. It wouldn't have fit her character before this moment of time. She says, well, I fought for this, but I'm going to give it up or I'm going to let Pell be in charge or what have you. Like, no, it wouldn't be true to who Vivi is as a character. It's like as much as I want her as part of the crew, it's not fitting. And what has happened to her after this, like, sure, she's been off screen for a lot of time, but there's been growth there that wouldn't have happened if she had been a member of the crew. So I ultimately appreciate where she ends up here. So. That has been the Arabasta, Alabasta arc. You guys have anything else you want to add to this scenario? Yeah. I like Alabasta, but I hate sand. Uh, it's rough and coarse and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Gets I want nothing to do with it. I, I would not live in a desert country. I'll put it that way. I'm with Anakin on this one. I don't even like going to the beach because of all this. Yeah, okay. You know what? Actually, there's a difference. I feel like I would be fine living in a desert country. I hate the beach. I feel like mm. it's different sand. I feel like it would be less sticky sand, you know what I mean? Because it's so dry. And I hate when the beach sand sticks and dries everywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go on record as saying I prefer the beach. And if we're to continue with hot takes, how about we rate and review this, just this arc? Compared to, okay. I'm going to give it a six because I don't desire to go back and watch it. Okay. Fair enough. That's so low. I know. Um... I can't do that. Uh, I'd probably give this arc at least an eight and a half. So much happens here. We learn so much about the Straw Hats and their capabilities. We learn more about the world. Uh, it fills out. Really, this is where we get to know like how Luffy can become the Pirate King. If they don't meet Robin here, what does he do? Nothing. But we don't know that yet. We Robin's don't know. Contribute. Oh, but she does read the Poneglyph. Yeah, you're that right. They find. Yeah, I, I'm close to TJ on this. I was. <sighs> I was going between an 8.5 and a 9. I think I'll ultimately go with a 9. Um, if I had to just on its own without knowing about what happens later, I'd probably say an 8.5. With what happens later, I'm going to go with a 9 for how important this arc is, setting things up. Um, I really enjoy it. Like It's one of the best parts of early One Piece, in my opinion. I This is just fun. And I'm glad we all got to be on this episode together to talk about it. So with that, we're going to head off to the wrap-up section. Now, does anyone have any recommendations for the audience? Nah. Read Sakamoto Dazed. I just, I feel like I've already like recommended like even the Apothecary um, anime. I just haven't been doing much. Oh, I have because of the dang Peacock commercial, uh, re-downloaded Clash of Clans. I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not proud. I just re-downloaded it. I'm not saying like I'm like super into it anymore. It's just like... Oh, let me check on my base I made 11 years ago. How are you guys doing? That's really funny, actually. I, I wouldn't say I recommend it. That's just kind of like what I've been doing. Okay. It's like, welcome back after 11 
Well, I made it 11 years ago, but it's probably been at least like eight years. Okay, so I will I will say one more. I, I said read Sakamoto Days. That's just because I love it. It's a really good spot right now. Uh, if you have a computer, uh, laptop, whatever, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a great computer. You can probably do it. Dishonored is two and a half dollars right now on Steam. What is that? Now, Dishonored. What is it? it it's a game. Wow. It's it, one of one of the greatest games I've ever played in my life. Two is and it? a half dollars. I didn't realize how many people hadn't played Dishonored before. I, I it's a must play to me. You play as the royal assassin of this country where you get sent to prison and a bit of a coup is kind of happening and you're fighting back from the bottom to try and save the empress who, by the way, is someone you're in love with. Oh, but but see, I mean, Christian still has to get my attention. We got to save my love. Got it. I'm trying to recommend this to my primary audience here and I knew what I had to say. You Dude, get that's why the I would always. I loved. I loved um, whenever Mario like defeated Bowser so he can get the Peach. Like I, that was my jam growing up. We have to oh, rest. Sorry. Well, you we should hijack your recommendation. Everyone should play Dishonored. <laughs> Dishonored is an amazing game. I still need to play Dishonored too, but uh, with that, I will give my recommendation. And if you're you're ready for an adventurous kind of series that's a little shorter, a lot shorter than One Piece, but you want to be on the high seas, but in our world, I suggest checking out Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water. If you really want a Jules Verne kind of series, uh, we 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, at 80 Days acro- uh, Across the World in 80 Days kind of scenario, this is a good series for you. There's also uh, one of the finest romances, in my opinion, in anime in this show between uh jean and nadia uh but go ahead and also i will give an anti-recommendation skip the africa arc because it's filler and they just made it because they wanted more episodes and to make more money and you just need to save yourselves the time so those are our recommendations a little longer than what we normally should be doing but there we are so what do you guys think do you enjoy the arabasta arc do you think that i'm in the wrong for saying arabasta is tj in the right for saying alabasta who's right who's wrong you you decide we're just hosts. We don't do anything. We don't know anything. We just talk about stuff. But please, uh, if you get a chance, just leave a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. And as well, I'm going to shout out the following patrons. Not all, but some. Uh, thank you to Russell Gentry, Justin Vaughn, Annette Knoll, and Jeannie Matt- Mattingly. I-, I don't know Jeannie. I'm so sorry. Every single time I say your name wrong, you can come punch me at a, at a convention or something like that. At your leisure, I give you full permission. <laughs> And with that, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. If you'd like to support our show on Captivate, feel free to go to Captivate.fm and um, find our show. Subscribe. You'll get access to any future online D&D campaigns over there. You'll get an extra bonus question for four to eight times a month. You'll get extra content like that through there. Um, you also get a one-time donation you could make to help support the show right on Captivate. So you don't get anything for the one-time donation, but if you'd like to just support the show once, do a quick donation, you can do that through Captivate.fm. Our overhead includes editing software, marketing, equipment, recording software, and a whole lot of other stuff. And um, we really appreciate everybody who can help keep the lights on.
Hello, friends. If you like systematic ecology, then there's a host of other podcasts in our network that we think you will like just as much. And so we are part of the Anazal Ministry Podcast Network, and we hope that you can hop over and subscribe uh, with all the podcasts that are in our network. Like, for instance, the homily, which is, hey, Pastor Will Rose's sermon here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. You have another podcast called The Whole Church Podcast, the OG, the originals, the beginner of it all. Yes, Joshua Noel and TJ working for unity among the church and having great conversations with the wide spectrum of those who are involved in Christian ministry and the church. You have My Seminary Life, uh, by Brandon Knight, who's discussing what he's learning in seminary, what's he is learning his theological studies and, and bringing to the surface uh, those big things that we're wrestling with and thinking through theologically in the church and beyond. There's the Let Nothing Move You podcast from Christian Ashley, who is walking through the Bible in a very Bible study type fashion and walking through the biblical narrative. You have Dummy for Theology. I don't think Joshua is a dummy, but hey, he's going to lift up theological themes that he's thinking about and wrestling with. And maybe there's not a lot of um, answers, but there's definitely a lot of great questions out there that he's lifting up with some great theologians across the whole spectrum of Christianity. And then there's the Bible After Hours. Man, if you like to get risky, if you like to get controversial, there's this foul-mouthed preacher who goes from goes through the Bible from a more progressive point of view, challenging the status quo of the modern church. Yeah, yeah, you don't want any kids around with, with that podcast. And then you have the Clydes, uh, one of my favorite couples uh, that I like to listen to. One of the hosts here on Systematic Ecology, Taylor and Elizabeth Clyde, go through weekly discussions and kind of a devotional, conversational method of, of what's going on in their lives, uh, where they see God moving in their lives, and what God is up to in the world. So those are the podcasts, a part of the AMP network. Subscribe, follow, we hope you can be a part of all that great network with the wonderful podcasts at AMP.